Nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks. When I'm asked, Coach Wooden, how did you win those championships? I reply, our team won championships, not me. Furthermore, my success comes not from championships, but the knowledge that I did everything possible to be the best teacher, coach, and leader I was capable of being. The quality of that effort is where I found and continue to find success. Those championships were a byproduct. While others will judge you strictly in relation to somebody or something else, the final score, the bottom line, or championship, this is neither the most demanding nor the most productive standard. Throughout my career, I did not allow others to make me adopt their standard, their definition of what constitutes success. The highest, purest, and most difficult standard of all the one that ultimately produces one's finest performance and the greatest treasure called peace of mind is that which measures the quality of your personal effort to reach competitive greatness. That is the standard I have applied for most of my professional life in preparing myself and others for competition over many years of teaching, coaching, and leadership. Did I succeed? Yes, but only because I can look at myself in the mirror and say, honestly, I did my best, near 100%. To become the best of which I was capable. I am proud of my effort and derive the greatest satisfaction from it. Today, when I look back over those decades, I can hold my head high just like I wanted our players to do when they walked off the court after a game or practice. I believe you can't separate who you are from your leadership. For me, the foundation of my own leadership, who I am, is contained in the pyramid of success. That was an excerpt from the book we're going to talk about today, Wooden on Leadership, written by the man himself, John Wooden, who's arguably the greatest coach of all time, definitely the greatest college basketball coach of all time. And this is a deep dive into his leadership philosophy, what he believes and what he follows and what he did throughout his career as a coach, as a leader, as a father, as a teacher, in all the areas and roles that he had. And I want to start off with what his definition of success is, which I think is one of the greatest definitions I've ever seen about success. Wooden writes, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to become the best of which you are capable. In other words, effort is the ultimate measure of success. It's not about results. It's not about the outcome. It's about how hard you worked and did you put your best effort forward to become the best version of yourself to reach your potential. That is what success is in the eyes of John Wooden. It wasn't winning the game. It wasn't winning championships. It wasn't being the best coach or the best team. It was, did my team put their best effort forward to reach their potential? And he later writes, for most of my life, I have believed that success is found in the running of the race. How you run the race, your planning, preparation, practice, and performance counts for everything. For me, it's the quality of your effort that counts most and and offers the greatest and most long-lasting satisfaction. In other words, you shouldn't necessarily be after this idea of success. You should be after this idea of satisfaction. Satisfaction or self-satisfaction is rooted in effort. Success is often rooted in, in external factors and results. Now, before we dive into John Wooden's philosophy, his pyramid of success, which is made up of 15 different blocks and traits and characteristics, I want to talk a little bit about some advice his father gave him that I found very valuable. 
Now, one of the first things his father gave him when he was young was the seven-point creed, these seven basically rules for life that John should follow. The first is be true to yourself. Second, make each day your masterpiece. Third, help others. Four, drink deeply from good books, including the good book, which is the Bible. Five, make friendship a fine art. Six, build a shelter against a rainy day. And seven, pray for guidance and give thanks for your blessings every day. This seven-point creed really reminds me of like having a philosophy for life. That's something I've talked a lot about on this podcast. We talked about Marcus Aurelius, do the right thing, the rest does not matter. Eleanor Roosevelt, Roosevelt, do the thing you think you cannot do. Pete Carroll, always compete. You need a philosophy, or in this example, a creed. It was a seven-point creed, seven different things that guided how John Wooden's dad, but also how John Wooden would live his life. And that's such an important thing to have because because it becomes your compass for who you are and what you do throughout your entire life. Now, the other piece of advice he gave John was, don't worry about whether you're better than somebody else, but never cease trying to be the best you can become. You have control over that. The other, you don't. This reminds me a lot of something Epictetus said. He said, one must primarily ask, is this something that is or is not in my control. And if it's not one of the things that you can control, be ready with the reaction, then it's none of my concern. You cannot control if you will be the greatest ever, but you can control if you will put your best effort forward, if you'll be the best version of yourself. And this all goes back to the idea of what Wooden's definition of success is. Success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to become the best of which you are capable. Now, there are 15 different elements to John Wooden's pyramid of success, and we're not going to talk about all of them. I want to talk about the ones that really stood out to me and I think are really valuable and really important and really, I think they all apply to your life, to your role, to your pursuit of being a leader. But these ones really stuck to me um, and ones I really took value from. So the first is this idea of enthusiasm. The corner blocks of the pyramid of success, what John Wooden calls it, is enthusiasm and hard work. And before I go into that, I want to say, read one thing from John Wooden on the pyramid. He says, the ultimate goal of the pyramid was not to produce championships. Championships were a byproduct. Rather, it provided Directions for reaching one's ultimate level of excellence as a part of a team or as a leader of a team. So this was a framework to become the best version of yourself in the eyes of Wooden. Now at the corner of the pyramid, there were two things, enthusiasm and industriousness. And the latter was basically just another term for hard work. And he says, success is unattainable without enthusiasm. Enthusiasm comes from your heart being in your work. Enthusiasm is a competitive advantage. If you love what you do and you really show that you're enthusiastic about showing up to practice, to work, time with loved ones, that is a competitive advantage. And it reminds me a lot of what Phil Knight, of what we learned about Phil Knight early in his career, early in his 20s when he was selling encyclopedias and securities for selling shoes and how he had so much success with the latter. And Phil Knight said on this, he said, driving back to Portland, I'd puzzle over my sudden success at selling. I'd been unable to sell encyclopedias, and I despised it to boot. I'd been slightly better at selling mutual funds, but I'd felt dead inside. So why was selling shoes so different? Because I realized it wasn't selling. 
I believed in running. I believed that if people got out and ran a few miles every day, the world would be a better place. And I believed these shoes were better to run in. People sensing my belief wanted some of that belief for themselves. Belief, I decided, belief is irresistible. And what Phil Knight is talking about with belief here is the same thing John Wooden is talking about with enthusiasm. And enthusiasm, like I said, will give you a competitive advantage advantage because when you are enthusiastic about your work it doesn't feel like hard work but more importantly you're more likely to do great work because you love the thing you're doing you have enthusiasm behind the work you are doing now wooden expands on this a little bit more he says you will you will perish without hard work without industriousness which is his his word for hard work industriousness is not possible without enthusiasm what he's saying is hard work is not impossible without a love for what you're doing, without showing enthusiasm, you cannot do hard work. And if you can't do hard work, you can't do great work. And ultimately, as he says, success is unattainable without both of them. And that's why they're the corner of his pyramids of success. You not only need to have hard work, you not only need to be able to work hard, but you need to have an enthusiasm behind that work. You need to love the work you do. And that is a recipe for greatness, for success, for excellence, for your own personal greatness going forward. Now, another block of his pyramid is this idea of alertness. And as John Wooden defines it, alertness is the ability to be constantly observing, absorbing, and learning from what's going on around you. And alertness is so valuable as a leader because when you are constantly alert about the environment, about the situation, about those you are leading, you are aware of what What's going on? And when you are aware of what's going on, you can make necessary changes and you can adapt faster than people who are not alert. And Chris Hatfield, who is an astronaut, he wrote a book called An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. And he's someone who went to space multiple times. And in the book, he talks about that when they're going through takeoff, when when they blast off from the ground or they're entering the Earth's orbit again, what the astronauts are taught to think is what's the next thing that is going to kill us so many things are going on and so many things could go wrong that they always need to be thinking about what's the next thing that's going to kill us in the same lens leaders need to be asking themselves what's the next next thing that could go wrong what's the next opportunity that we have and that's this idea of alertness with john wooden for him it was coming up with a next scheme something with the next team that they could use to exploit him or something going on with the chemistry and culture of the team, having an alertness around that idea. And it's similar to what Hatfield said with what's the next thing that's going to kill us. Leaders always need to be asking what's the next thing that could hurt us or help us, or what's the next opportunity that we have. So another key block of the pyramid is what John Wooden calls team spirit. And in other words, this is another word for teamwork. He didn't, he didn't like the name of teamwork. He liked team spirit more. And he says something very valuable because as leaders, you were trying to create a, a culture where people want to work for one another, where, where people want to sacrifice for the betterment of the team. That's, that's, a, that's a sign of a sound team, of a sound culture, of a sound organization. And Wooden writes, initially, I defined team spirit, what he, what he calls or what basically means teamwork, as a willingness to sacrifice personal interest or glory for the welfare of all. But there was something in the definition that bothered me, something not quite right. When it came to team spirit, willingness was not enough. 
Eagerness was the exact description of what I sought in myself and in those I coached. A willingness to be selfless suggests a begrudging aspect of doing what is required for the team. I wanted each player to be eager to sacrifice personal interest for the good of the group. Team spirit is the eagerness to sacrifice personal interest or glory for the welfare of all. That's such a valuable way of framing that. That when we are a part of a team, you shouldn't just be willing to sacrifice your time, your numbers, whatever it is that you're a part of for the team, for the glory, for the betterment of the organization, of the group that you are a part of. You should be eager. You should want to sacrifice. And that's what I think the greatest teams have and the greatest leaders are able to do is they don't just help people sacrifice or or encourage people to sacrifice. They create a culture where people are eager to sacrifice for the betterment of the entire organization, of the entire team. And that's what special leaders can do. And I think that's something you need to ask yourself is, am I creating a culture in my organization where people are eager to sacrifice or am I eager to sacrifice or am I just willing to sacrifice right now? Those are two key distinguishing factors. Are you willing to sacrifice or are you eager to sacrifice? If it's the former, something probably needs to change. You're either working in the wrong organization or you need to create a culture that is eager to sacrifice. So I want to talk about just two more blocks of the pyramid of success, and it's confidence and patience. And and Wooden writes something that I think is really unique. He says, you have to earn the right to be confident as a player, as a coach, as a teacher, as a student, as as a businessman, as an artist, whatever it is, whatever your craft, your profession is, you have to earn the right to be confident. And I really think there's two different frames here. Because I have a different view. I think I, I share what David Senra calls belief before ability. You have to have confidence in yourself before you actually do the thing. Because if you don't have belief, if you don't have confidence before you do the thing, you're probably never going to do the thing. But at the same time, you have to earn the right to be confident in the words of John Wooden here. Because if you've never done anything, where is that confidence rooted in? So I think this is a a paradox where... You need to build belief. You need to build confidence in yourself. But in order to build that confidence, in order to build that evidence, you first need to believe and have confidence in yourself before you've actually ever done a a thing or you accomplished anything in your life. So confidence is breeded before you actually do the thing, but you also need to do the thing to build more confidence. So there's kind of a paradox here when it comes to that. Now, the last one is this idea of patience. And Wooden mentions a quote from Benjamin Franklin, which I absolutely love. He says, genius is nothing but a greater aptitude for patience. And that's exactly what leadership is. Leadership is nothing but the capacity for patience. As a leader, you're going to deal with a lot of different people, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different people with different skill sets, different experiences, and they're going to work at different paces. In order to lead people, you have to have patience for those under you and I think that's where a lot of people who lead come up short is they think everyone should be able to work at their rate they should have their skills they should be able to do it how they have done it but all people are different and great leaders as Benjamin Franklin described or as he described genius genius is nothing but a greater aptitude for patience that's what leadership is leadership is nothing but the capacity for patience 
Now, that's all I want to talk about in terms of the pyramid of success. And I first want to give a little rundown of everything that makes it up. So we talked about on the first row. So there's five rows to it. The first is five blocks. It's industriousness, which is hard work, friendship, loyalty, cooperation, and enthusiasm. The second row is self-control, alertness, initiative, and intentness. The third row, condition, skill, team spirit. The, The second or the fourth row, poise, confidence, and the last row, competitive greatness. And then he has two other ones, faith and patience, which we're going to talk a little bit, or we talked a little bit about patience. But I want to talk a little bit about some other things Wooden learned from leadership, things he learned from his decades of coaching at UCLA and in high school and dealing with young men, dealing with tribulations, dealing with winning championships. And the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of love. Wouldn't believe that love is the most powerful four-letter word on the planet, and it is. And there's a great quote that actually comes from the Bible, I believe, that that Wooden references. He says, love is patient, love is kind. It is not jealous, it is not pompous, it is not inflated, it is not rude, it does not seek its own interests, it is not quick-tempered, it does not brood over injury, it does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And endures all things. One thing John Wooden told his players was he said, I may not like you all the same, but I will love you all the same. Love is about action. It's not a feeling. Love is about what you do for the people under you, the people around you, the people in your family, in your organization. As a leader, you need to show true love to those around you. And that's what John Wooden did. He may not have liked all his players. He may have liked Bill Walton more than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but he loved them the same because love is not a feeling. Love is an action. Love is about treating people fairly, treating people right, treating people how they should be treated. And as a leader, you need to cultivate what love is through the actions that you take in your organization. Now, another lesson John Wooden learned was something that I think is unique because In sports, a lot, we hear this idea of you need to give 110%. In other words, you need to give more than you think you could give. But it's a fallacy. You can't give 110%. And John Wooden writes this. He says, give me 100%. You can't make up for poor effort today today by giving 110% tomorrow. You don't have 110%. You only have 100%. And that's what I want from you right now. I love that perspective because the truth is, as, as Wooden said, you cannot give more than everything you have, which is not 110%, it's not 150%, and all you can ask is to get that 100% each and every time, and that's when you'll achieve this idea of personal greatness, this idea of success that wouldn't describe, that we talked about at the beginning. Success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction, knowing that you made the effort, the 100% effort, to become the best of which you are capable. And Wooden talks about this idea of personal greatness. Personal greatness is not determined by the size of the job, but by the size of the effort one puts into the job. This applies to everyone on the team. We're seeing some similarities here that at the root of everything, Wooden measures success winning by effort. You don't, he didn't define winning as how many championships he won. He defined winning as did you put your best effort forward? Winning wasn't being the number one team in the nation. It was did we reach our potential? Winning wasn't him being the best coach. It was 
Did I put the best effort? Did I prepare the best? Did I give my team the best opportunity, the best chance to win? That was what winning was. That was what success is. And that is all rooted in giving 100% of your effort. Now, Wooden talks about this idea of how to win. And I think it's a unique perspective that actually reminds me of something else that happened or that we talked about in Phil Knight in the episode we did on him. He said, if you want to extend a winning streak, this is what uh, John Wooden wrote. If you want to extend a winning streak, forget about it. If you want to break a losing streak, forget about it. Forget about everything except concentrating on hard work and intelligent planning. The best way to achieve dreams is to ignore them. Now, this reminds me, as I mentioned, on something that Phil Knight said on this idea of competing. He said, people reflexively assume that competition is always a good thing, that it always brings out the best in people. But that's only true for people who can forget the competition. The art of competing I learned from Trek was the art of forgetting. And now I reminded myself of that fact. You must forget your limits. You must forget your doubts, your pain, your past. You must forget that internal voice screaming, begging not one more step. So as Wooden and I think Knight would agree together that you accomplish great feats by not thinking about them, not worrying about them. Because the more time you spend worrying about the competition, more time you spend worrying about winning the next game or not losing the next game. You're not focused on what you can control right now, your effort and the task at hand. So that's how you win. You win by forgetting the thing you're after so you can focus on the thing you should actually be doing right now, which is this moment, this play, this action, this task, whatever that thing is. Now, something else Wooden learned a lot throughout his career was this belief that you should always assume adversity and I love how he phrases that but he writes all leaders and organizations are blindsided by bad luck and misfortune in various ways at various times the best leaders understand this and are seldom thrown off stride when it occurs they recognize the opportunity it presents namely that your response can separate you and your organization from the competition whose leaders is stunned and then disheartened when fate frowns expect the rough patches and allow them to make you stronger this reminds me of Marcus Aurelius' first passage in Meditation, which is one of my favorite books ever. And the first thing he writes, he says, When you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, the people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surely. A sign of excessive negative emotion, a sign of complaining when bad things go your way, is a sign of a lack of preparation. And as John Wooden is saying here, to prepare for those things, you should always assume adversity is going to hit. You should always assume that fate is not going to be on your side, that negative things are going to happen, that curveballs are going to be thrown your way. So when they do, you aren't disheartened. You don't frown. You can look at it for what it is and keep going. And you do so by practicing what Marcus Aurelius said. He said, when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, the people I deal with today will be meddling, ungrateful, arrogant, dishonest, jealous, and surely. Or just replace those words with, at work today, things won't go to plan. A meeting will get canceled. A partner will bail out. Something along those lines will happen. And that comes by preparing for the unfortunate, preparing for the things that could go wrong. Now, I want to end this episode with two main things. Uh, there's there, there were four maxims throughout this book that I really liked, and, and I like these the idea of of sharing these maxims because they're really short sayings that I think can have a lot of value. And three are from Wooden and one is from his dad. Uh, actually, one we already talked about. But 
the first three are from wooden. The first one is little things make big things happen, which is everything. And I highly recommend you read this book, Wooden on Leadership. And he says, or he describes a lot that throughout his coaching career, every year he would keep track of all his practices, all the games, um, all the things he did as a coach, and he would look back on it. And over the years, he would make little changes to how he structured practice, to the offensive scheme, to the defensive scheme. And if you went from year to year, you wouldn't see big differences. But if you went from year one to year 25, it would look like a totally different coach, a totally different system. And that's this idea that little things make big things happen, and little things make big things happen over time. Now, the second one is think small, work hard, get good. Not much to expand on that. I just think it's, I think it's valuable. I think there's value in thinking small. Because I think when you think big, you're focused so much on the future that there's not much you can take action now. By thinking small, you focus so much on the much more on the present that that leads to work, work hard, and then you just get good at it and you repeat that process. The last one from Wooden is be quick, but don't hurry. Be quick, but don't hurry. Now, the one from his dad is something we talked about earlier. He said, make every day your masterpiece. And this was a part of his seven-point creed that he gave to John when he was a young kid. And I think that that's how you should view every day of your life. Make every day your masterpiece. Each day is a new canvas. Each day is a new opportunity, a new chance to do something great, to become better than who you were yesterday, to make an impact, to, to put your mark on this world. So every day, remind yourself of that saying, make today my masterpiece. Now, I want to leave you guys with one final note on how to be a great leader or what great leaders do. John Wooden wrote, a good leader never stops learning. A great leader never stops teaching. I love that distinction. Right now, I believe I'm a good leader right now because I am trying to learn my way about how to be a great leader with the things I can do, the things I can change. But great leaders never stop teaching. And that's what Wooden called himself. He didn't call himself a coach. He didn't call himself a leader. He called himself a teacher. And that's what great leaders do. Great leaders not only are never, never stop learning, but they never stop teaching, even when they're out of a leadership role. Because you can always lead in whatever role you're in, whether you're a parent, whether you're a CEO, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a student. There's always areas that you can be a leader. And as John Wooden, see, John Wooden said, a good leader never stops learning, but a great leader never stops teaching. I am the greatest. Alexander, he's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. Nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks.